the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands, totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. We're ready to get into a brand new book of the Bible tonight. We just finished last night the first three books, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, of the Pentateuch, the Torah, the books of the law, the books of Moses, <laughs> different names that are given to those first five books of the Bible. And now we turn to the New Testament, that portion of the scriptures that have to do with Messiah. The Old Testament, of course, has to do with Messiah as well, as it points forward to this one who would come, this Savior, this Redeemer, this righteous branch, so many different titles and positions given to the Messiah in the Old Testament, over 300 specific prophecies about his life. And then, of course, when he was born and came into the world, it was easy to recognize him because he fulfilled all 300 plus of those prophecies. We begin tonight with the first book of the New Testament the book of Matthew. Just as we come into the Christmas season, we turn to the New Testament to read about Messiah, to read about his life, his ministry, and his work of redemption. He reveals to us more about God, about the Father, truth about our lives, about the world in which we live. But most importantly, there is that crucial work of redemption by which you and I can be eternally reconciled to God, the Creator. That is the focus of the life and ministry of Messiah. Tonight, our reading from the book of Matthew. But first, as always, we turn to our Wisdom and Worship segment as we jump forward in the Bible to go to the book of Matthew. We jump forward to Psalm 140. It is a prayer of David for protection against those who slander or threaten you. Let's listen to the Bible live. Psalm 140. O Lord, rescue me from evil people. Preserve me from those who are violent, those who plot evil in their hearts and stir up trouble all day long. Their tongues sting like a snake. The poison of a viper drips from their lips. O Lord, keep me out of the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from those who are violent, for they are plotting against me. The proud have set a trap to catch me. They have stretched out a net. 
They have placed traps all along the way. I said to the Lord, You are my God. Listen, O Lord, to my cries for mercy. O Sovereign Lord, my strong Savior, You protected me on the day of battle. Lord, do not give in to their evil desires. Do not let their evil schemes succeed, O God. Let my enemies be destroyed by the very evil they have planned for me. Let burning coals fall down on their heads, or throw them into the fire, or into deep pits from which they can't escape. Don't let liars prosper here in our land. Cause disaster to fall with great force on the violent. But I know the Lord will surely help those they persecute. He will maintain the rights of the poor. Surely the godly are praising your name, for they will live in your presence. End of reading, Psalm 140. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. As you know, people complain a little about the number of genealogies in the Old Testament. What do all those names mean? Why are they so important? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but a lot of that is because of this promise that the Messiah was to come through the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Messiah was to come through the people of Israel. Matthew, this gospel, starts off with the birth and preparations for Jesus the Messiah, beginning with the genealogy to prove that Jesus is a descendant of both King David and Abraham, just as the Old Testament predicted. So we'll read that tonight in the book of Matthew, here on The Bible Live. Matthew 1, 1 through 5:48. Matthew 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. His mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed. His mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asaph. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiakim and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. 
Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to King David, and 14 from David's time to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly, so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 2. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born, he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come see him. At this meeting he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother, Mary, were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said, because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he learned that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, because the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them about two years earlier. Herod's brutal action fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. A cry of anguish is heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, Get up and take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph returned immediately to Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid. Then in another dream he was warned to go to Galilee. 
So they went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets concerning the Messiah. He will be called a Nazarene. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist began preaching in the Judean wilderness. His message was, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. John's clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. His food was locust and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from every section of Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to the wilderness to hear him preach. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming judgment? Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say, we're safe, we're the descendants of Abraham. That proves nothing. God can change these stones here into children of Abraham. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever your roots. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who turn from their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is far greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the grain with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, storing the grain in his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John didn't want to baptize him. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it must be done, because we must do everything that is right. So then John baptized him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with him. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he ate nothing and became very hungry. Then the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, change these stones into loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say he orders his angels to protect you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, Do not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the nations of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will only kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and cared for Jesus. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. But instead of going to Nazareth, he went to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching everywhere the good news about the kingdom. And he healed people who had every kind of sickness and disease. News about him spread far beyond the borders of Galilee so that the sick were soon coming to be healed from as far away as Syria. And whatever their illness and pain, or if they were possessed by demons, or were epileptics, or were paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 5. One day, as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up the mountainside with his disciples and sat down to teach them. This is what he taught them. God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them. I assure you, until heaven and earth disappear, even the smallest detail of God's law will remain until its purpose is achieved. So if you break the smallest commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees do, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven at all. You have heard that the law of Moses says, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, 
Leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it is too late and you are dragged into court, handed over to an officer, and thrown in jail. I assure you that you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You have heard that the law of Moses says do not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even if it is your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard that the law of Moses says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say, don't make any vows. If you say, by heaven, it is a sacred vow because heaven is God's throne. And if you say, by the earth, it is a sacred vow because the earth is his footstool. And don't swear by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even swear by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Your word is enough. To strengthen your promise with a vow shows that something is wrong. You have heard that the law of Moses says, If an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. But I say don't resist an evil person. If you are slapped on the right cheek, turn the other too. If you are ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. End of reading, Matthew 1, 1 through 548. Come, see this one they call Jesus, born of a virgin long ago. It's the old sweet story, he came from glory to die in this world of woe. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. See this one they call Jesus, no longer in a manger bed, crucified and And we welcome you back to the Bible Live program. Thank you for being a part of the broadcast with us. This is a special little converted Christmas song with the secular lyrics of uh, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, and someone has put 
some really Christ-centered lyrics to them. Uh, we enjoy it and pass it on to you this Christmas season. Although that's what we're reading tonight from the Gospel of Matthew, the beginning of the life and ministry of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew is writing specifically to the Jewish population. His message is especially focused to a Jewish audience. For example, he emphasizes the prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew, the author of this Gospel, was a Jewish tax collector who became one of Jesus' disciples. Matthew forms a connecting link between the Old and New Testaments because of its emphasis on the fulfillment of the prophecies in the life of Jesus. This is the greatest of all human events, the center point of all human history. For centuries and centuries, they were looking forward to this event, this moment, young Jewish girls wondering if they might be the one who would be the mother of Messiah. Finally, though, in time and space, perhaps in the time least expected, but finally it takes place. The Messiah is born. There are several aspects of the life of Jesus in the beginning of his life and ministry that only Matthew points them out. The father's dream when the angel made Joseph aware of the fact that his wife-to-be, well, actually they were engaged. A Jewish marriage took three stages. The two families agreed first, and then there was a public announcement of their commitment to be married, and they were engaged, and that was formal. Only death could break that announcement. And then the ceremony, and they lived together, that came as a third stage. Joseph and Mary were already committed. Joseph was confused. He saw two options, put Mary away quietly or have her stoned to death for adultery. The angel brought that third option, go ahead and marry her. Joseph, in faith, obeyed and became the earthly father of Messiah. I say earthly father because it's important to see that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, fully entirely human, but without that irresistible, irrevocable tendency to sin called the sin nature. That's why the virgin birth is so important. I started to tell you about a number of special events that are not mentioned in any of the other Gospels, but only in the Gospel of Matthew. And I got hung up there on Joseph's dream. And I told you a little bit of the background about Jewish marriage and why this was unusual, that the angel had to appear and show Joseph that third option was to go ahead and marry Mary. But there are nine events, actually, four of them that we read about tonight. The visit of the Magi, the wise men, from the east. They may have been uh, Jewish people from when the people of Israel were exiled. They may have been wise men from that part of the world. The families escaped down into Egypt to flee the massacre of Herod and the slaughter of the male children. All of those are in the Gospel of Matthew. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. 
You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 